Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> Miss Party. Uh, that is a husky one today, isn't it? Ooh, that's a husky one indeed. Hello. What were you up to on your wish, time away? <laughs> I wish I could say it was from me to partying, but it's not. It's um, sinusitis and phlegm, which is less attractive. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Probably precipitated by travels. Because yeah. you're just around a bunch of icky people. Well, also around a bunch of students as well as I visited my daughter in university. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it seems like everybody has um, come back poorly. So my other half has now just got it. Oh. I had it for um, half of the time that we were away. Oh. And um, my daughter has also got a very bad <laughs> cough and cold also known as fresh as flu. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Which takes on another meaning in the pandemic, obviously. Yes, yes. So, you know. Although gosh. I have to say I was hugely, hugely relieved when I received a negative COVID test when oh, I came good. back to the airport. Good, good, good. I genuinely thought it's just sinusitis. I've had it before. I know yeah. the symptoms. But there's always that little thing in the back of your mind that yeah. says, what if it's COVID? Yeah, absolutely. Good. I'm glad. It's just but the yeah. regular misery. It is pre-pandemic misery. (gasps) Yeah, which is actually, you know, it's not too bad during the day. It's like one o'clock in the morning when you wake up and Mm. have like a humongous coffin fit in the middle (laughs) of the night and think this is pretty crap. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And am I ever going to be able to sleep tonight and function tomorrow? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yes, that's horrible. (laughs) That's horrible. I am here and uh, husky voice and all. Good, 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 good. Huskier than normal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So how are you? You sound a lot better than me. Yeah, well, you know, just settling in. Is, I'm crossing the two-month mark now of being in Toronto, so. Oh, my God. That I know, isn't that so weird? Quick. Yes. It's so weird. I know. Are I you sure to... you've counted the weeks properly? <laughs> I know, I know. It's crazy. Yes, yeah. It's crazy. wild. Yeah, so that's feeling quite good, actually. I've been at this very location overlooking the view into Toronto uh, for two months. So, oh, yeah, nice. so I feel like things are settling. And I'm yeah. now thinking of adopting a cat. And so I'm kind of thinking about that. Yeah. Oh, and the dog has just shook its head. <laughs> I know, the <laughs> dog is coming there. up being like... Was that a yes or a no? Was that a yes, I have a, a friend a or big no, friend. don't you dare? <laughs> exactly, yeah. My, my dog's big a big fan of cats, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so she just came out to say hello for our podcast, to shake around a little bit, yeah. I hope she doesn't need to pee, but I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, well, yeah. Let's face it, that, that moment could hit any of us at any time. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so how was it like being in Leeds? Like, I, I had to Google it, it and it's it was quite oh a, a schlep from London, right? Like, it's quite a drive. Yeah, well, we, um, we flew into Manchester, so then got a oh. train across from Manchester, which was, like, oh. really super easy. So only an hour and a half on the train, and then oh. we had a few days in Leeds, four days, and then we went up to the to Newcastle, and we stayed on the coast in a lovely little apartment, oh. which was just super amazing and cute. Oh, and that's um, where you're from? Yeah, and oh. then, so we got the train up there as well, so we had two lovely train journeys, which was really nice. 
Oh. I mean, I don't think if I was kind of commuting on a train regularly in rush hour traffic, I dare say it's not that romantic and pleasant. But yeah. when you're kind of traveling midday and, oh. you know, have a nice picnic lunch on the train and a chat and, you know, play a game of cards, then it's a lot, lot more pleasant. Oh, very nice. There's some beautiful countryside as well that you go through, with, so it's very nice. Wow. Very. Oh, very beautiful. So, yeah, it was oh, a nice. little two-centre break, which felt like we were away for ages. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It would be nice in some ways to be unemployed forever, but then then not nice. It's it's so weird yeah. shifting that the, the transition is so jarring, but, yeah, but neither life either working all the time or, or vacationing all the time, neither is sustainable forever. Not right now, anyway. Not right now, <laughs> yes. There's always the yeah. lottery win around the corner. There is, there yeah. is. Yeah, absolutely. One day. <laughs> yeah. So did you pick up any relationship news along your travels? I most certainly did. Aha, Miss <laughs> Correspondent. So the correspondent uh, came across this interesting article when I was on the train. Oh. So I did some reading, so I'm going to share it with you. So this... The title of the um, of the article is called Financial Freedom. Mm. So it says, more British women than ever are financially free of their partners. Mm. Money management in heterosexual relationships has shifted so that women have more spending power and also share responsibility for the household purse strings mm. with their other half. A survey of over 11,000 couples by Lancaster University found a trend towards gender equality particularly in younger couples, mm. with women of all classes having more autonomy to use their cash as they please. The traditional housekeeping allowance system for women who, don't, who do not work outside of the home is also increasingly rare, used by just 3% of couples born after 1980, compared to 30% of those born before 1950. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I thought that was an interesting oh. little... We've talked before on the podcast about money and how couples yeah. kind of manage their money. Um, yeah. So I thought that was an interesting little article to share. It is. And you and I are are very much along, along the lines of financial independence. That's kind of yeah. how we both roll. Maybe that's our own bias, I should say. Not just always financial independence. <laughs> Pretty much <laughs> full every. Independence. Full independence. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's interesting. That really, ma- that makes me very happy indeed. Um, I, I don't know how to even see the other side of that. It makes me very happy because when we're independent, we have options. Yeah. We don't have to put up with uh, mediocrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was a big, it was like such a big shift, isn't it, over um, oh, you yeah. know, a period of 30 years to kind yeah. of move to that. But I think um, I see a lot in couples, you know, where actually the, it's the women that manage the money. Like, Mm. I know somebody who's had his own business for years and his wife has worked kind of on and off. Um, Mm. He's always been the major breadwinner. He said, I don't touch the finances. That's my wife's department. So he just kind of earns the money and then she works out how they all spend it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it can work both ways, can't it? I guess it just depends on what works for you guys as, as a couple. Yeah, I think the one thing, you know, so I always get a reality check from my lawyer friend and her and mm. I are, uh, her, we go back to high school and she was telling me a story of, um, of a very, very difficult case that she's on where a young guy in his thirties has come under a major unexpected medical, like life threatening medical situation. Um, and it turned out that 
he, because his job is finance, he was the one who's kind of had everything with the mortgages and the wills and the whatever. And it so turns out like, you know, well-meaning, but nothing is up to date. And his partner doesn't know anything, not the bank accounts, not the, the will wasn't up to date. They have kids in a business like, so and that's, that wasn't an intentional gendered thing. I, w- I think it was just a matter of like, that's just his profession and that's yeah. right. And, and so a huge wake up call to, to say, you know, just, you know, and it's funny, my lawyer friend is saying, you know, she's the one who wears, who carries the purse strings. And often her husband kind of checks out and is like, whatever, you've got it. And yeah. she always sits him down and is like, you have to know about this because, yeah. you know, you, we could have an event one day where, you know, you need to know the passwords to the bank and we need to know yeah. who our power of attorney is. So just kind of like a, a wake up call of one person may be the stronger suit in terms of um, finances, but it is really imperative that each know what's going on. You never know what's going to happen. Well, you don't do, and it's been that kind of that adult, that grown up in the relationship, and yeah, I mean, often that's quite dull, isn't it? Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. And people don't we don't want to deal with all of the kind of financial side of life, but yeah, I see it on the flip side. I see it as if you kind of if you know where your money's at and you're planning for your future and you've got your will sorted and all of those things. I see that's quite empowering. Mm. So there's a different kind of spin on it rather than just thinking it's dull and boring. Yeah. If you think, actually, I'm empowered because I'm taking responsibility and ownership of my life and I'm planning ahead for the future, then it can feel quite liberating because mm. ironically, it can give you more freedom mm. in the short and the long term because you're actually in control of kind of where things are. Oh, yes. But yeah, but I totally get it. I bet if we did a survey of... Um, of who doesn't have a will I bet there'll be quite high proportion of adults who are similar age to us I do not have wills well I don't have a will <gasps> well there you go you see <laughs> take yeah. your own advice my lovely <laughs> oh totally come on yeah, it's on, funny because I'm like I don't need a will I don't have kids I don't have a get business on board I don't have the property. empowerment train I mean it's true it's true like yeah, I kind of yeah, it's it's true. I I haven't find I, I haven't found a compelling reason to have a will because um, me and my husband are financially separate, and uh, I don't know. I I feel like everybody who knows me would be like, you leave the money to the dog, obviously, right? Um, but, <laughs> but yes, that. But the thing is, yeah. though, if you make no decisions for yourself, then it goes to your. It that might not so necessarily true. go to your husband. It goes to. My poor sister. Oh my God, she'd be saddled. I know I've named my sister on all of my accounts and poor girl, she's going to be, yes, you're right. If I kick the bucket, she's going to be left with a bunch of like meetings and lawyers and oh yes, you're right. Right. You're right. This is a job for you. Oh, that's so true. It didn't even occur to me. Yes. I need to make sure my sister doesn't suffer. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. Good. I like it. Right. Now that we've sorted out that, um, little financial savvy mint. Yes, 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 absolutely. <laughs> shall, we, uh, shall we try on a hot topic for size? Let's try on a hot topic, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to this one this week. Oh, yeah. Okay, the hot <laughs> topic is, is judgment ruining your relationship? <laughs> undoubtedly yes yes <laughs> oh gosh oh, this is good yeah yeah it is good <gasps> oh so 
Where do we start with this one then, Anna? Oh, yeah. So like we always do, I'm curious in terms of judgment. So can you run us through some of the kinds of the different kinds of judgment that might pop up? I think, well, there's, if we think about kind of judgment, it's um, judgments having kind of like a, a real kind of strong view, isn't it, about something else or somebody else? Mm. Is that kind of how you would describe it? Yeah, just generally a, a, a belief that one person or both people or that somebody is not doing something right, like right yeah. in air quotes, or that this is not the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that kind of like opposed, that opposed view. It's not my way, therefore it's not the right way. Mm. Um, it's kind of all of those things I think that come into it. Mm-hmm. And we can have judgment about ourselves mm. um, that mm-hmm. can cause major challenges in relationships. Mm-hmm. We can have judgments about our partners. We may have judgments about their kids or mm. um, their relation, you know, their relations, close relations, their friends. Mm. Might have judgments about the type of work that they do. Um, mm-hmm. So there's kind of there's all kinds of different areas where it can kind of creep in. But I think it's where we've got those real strong oppositions, and we genuinely believe that we're right in the situation, mm-hmm. and therefore then you get this kind of real rub, don't you? But I think there's a definite split between judgment of others and judgment of self. Um, And um, both will have a negative impact. Yeah. And actually, I think often judgment of self creeps in and looks like judgment of the other when it really is just an amplified version of the judgment onto themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, There's a whole bunch of stuff. There's you drink too much. uh, You're not fun enough. uh, You eat too many sweets. You're on your video games all day. You don't exercise enough. Yeah. We don't spend time like the others down the road. Like look yeah. at a, look at all their beautiful demonstrative anniversary parties, and we don't have any of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And basically, when you listen to kind of a big long list like that, it's like, well, why are you together? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, I, a lot of these are are sounding familiar to me. So you know, like yeah. I've uttered all, if not most, all of these. And so yeah, I, there's a lot of. A lot of judgment in a relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And does it get in the in the way? Oh, yeah. 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 I think it kind of casts a big shadow, doesn't it, over the relationship? So mm. whilst we're set in judgment, we're not in appreciation. Mm-hmm. So we're not appreciating the things that we have got. We're not um, grateful for what's around us. We're just seeing the things that we haven't got. So it's very yeah. much a kind of a lack mindset when we're sat in judgment. Right. And we're kind of it almost diminishes anything that's good or positive that's happening. Because, yeah, yeah. like, well, those things might exist, but all of these other things over here yeah. <laughs> are not happening. Therefore, kind of, it's, yeah. it goes back to the kind of negativity bias that we've talked about before, where that kind of five-to-one ratio, we need a, a positive-to-negative ratio of yeah. five positive things to one negative. Right. So if we're kind of looking, if we're looking with judgment, then it's just a strong negativity, isn't it? Mm. That's constantly there. Oh, yeah. So we don't start, we don't date and have all this judgment starting off. Well, maybe there's like the seeds of it. So when do you find that judgment starts to creep in? Because of course, there's the honeymoon stage, this person can do no wrong. Oh, we're so right for each other. When do you find, when do you find this starts to creep in? Or at what stage in a relationship do you notice that judgment starts to uh, pop up its ugly head? I don't know so much about stage, I guess, but it's that bit where you switch from everything's kind of super fun and exciting to, oh, is this it? Mm. (laughs) 
So there's that kind of like, it's almost like you're jumping off the boredom cliff. Mm. And and then the little niggles start to kick in, like, um, God, they're always whistling or singing or like all the little kind mm. of, uh, th- and then it starts to... The annoyances. Yeah. And the things that maybe you weren't annoyed about before, maybe previously you were like, oh, that sounds really nice. I'm really happy. Mm. And I'm pleased that they're happy. Suddenly you start to see them as more of an intrusion so some of the things that you kind of cherished in each other then kind of switch sides and almost become an mm. intrusion. Yeah. And I think some of it can be kind of when that whole kind of boredom uh, stage sets in, which is like, is this all we've got? Mm. Right? Maybe really comfortable with each other and you don't mm. challenge each other in the same ways or excite each other in the same ways or it feels like you don't put as much effort in. You're so right. Like it's, it feels like there's a switch, like an inflection point from where you're like, there's endless opportunity with this person. They're so perfect for me. We are all on the same page. And then you start to see their behavior as getting in the way of your vision for your relationship. Like if only Mm. we just fix these things, then we could get with the program and have our perfect relationship (laughs) as I see it. And now all your stupid shit is just slowing us down. Yeah. So whether, and yeah. And, yeah. And when you think about that, like, I mean, that's just madness, isn't it? Because, but you're right. Like, you're totally right. It is that kind of, well, I have this vision. I know exactly kind of what we should be doing. You know, we should um, have our kind of weekly rituals or whatever it is that you've got in your vision for the perfect relationship. Yeah. But there lies the problem, right? There are no perfect relationships. No. So yeah. you're measuring your relationship against something that's not possible. Yes. And you're living your relationship by your own personal contract that you've brought in and you didn't share it with yourself. You didn't share it with, with your partner and nobody knows about this set of rules that you're actually running life by. Yeah. You assume that they're sort of how everybody lives their life and how everybody should live their life. And your partner Mm -hmm. is doing the same thing. They've got their set of rules that they don't even know about that you certainly don't know about and conflict ensues. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's often a difference between the kind of genders as well, isn't it? Like, and this is quite stereotypical, but I kind of think that it is true where, you know, a male, and we're talking about heterosexual relationships mostly because I don't know you're in a heterosexual relationship, so it's kind of familiar and what we know, but recognise kind of some of this might play out as well in other relationships. But there's that often there's kind of one party that is kind of like more of a driving force, more of a mm. kind of like let's, you know, more of the kind of productive one, the kind of the not necessarily go-getter, but the person that kind of is kind of striving to move forward and and kind of create this life. And then there's the other partner, which is the kind of, I just want things easy. I want it to be simple. I want to avoid conflict. I just want to get up in the morning and, you know, have my routine. I want to go to work. I want to come back and I just want a nice life. And I guess both parties want the same thing. They both want a nice life. But the question is, what does that look like? And how different is it for both of you? Yeah. I feel like we're straying slightly on this topic, though. (laughs) No, 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 no. But the thing is, there's expectations, too. So, like, there's, like, the really, you know, let's get going. There should be an engagement. There should be a ring. There should be a marriage. There should be a, we should be kids. We should get this house. We should get these um, assets or whatever. And then there's somebody, yes, you're right, who might be like, everything is fine. I don't don't have any expectations. But the problem is they do have expectations. They do. 
yeah. have expectations and it comes out in other ways. And so both people, even the p- person who's like easygoing, who may, yeah. who might be the male, like, I don't know, I'm cool with whatever. They're not cool with whatever they're avoiding conflict. And they've been taught in their life probably way, way long ago that if you just keep your mouth button shut, then you can avoid rows and stuff. But the problem that, that I see in coaching folks is that it's not just that there's one demanding partner and that there's another person who's cool with anything because nothing could be further than the truth. There's two people yeah. with unmet needs that won't communicate yeah. their needs <laughs> and they're trying to sort of push them in their, with their own, their own agenda in their own way. But though all those men out there who are like, I don't know, I'm happy. I've, I've, I've already got what I wanted. Um, <laughs> that is one, a big source of, of <laughs> conflict right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, are we straying? We might be straying. Yeah. Possibly right. straying from the hot topic. Yes. <laughs> but it is stuff that comes up. But I think, you know, going back to judgment, I think the other thing that kind of stands out for me is around that comparison factor. Hmm. So often we're kind of judging because we're, we've got this expectation that things will be a certain way because we're comparing everything that's happening to the external factors and external relationships that we see around us. Right. And so that comparison and that jealousy factor, I think, can play a big part in judgment because mm. rather than just looking at the relationship for what it is, we're using comparison yeah. to kind of benchmark where we're at. Do we, yeah. um, you know, I'm obsessed with Married at First Sight, so I've just yeah. finished watching the UK version. <laughs> yeah. um, and that, like, shows as a classic example because they bring these couples back together to have this dinner party and they do it deliberately, right? So that the couples are kind of judging about where where am I? And the very first one that they did, and uh, hopefully this isn't a spoiler for anybody that hasn't watched the series yet, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Uh, turn, for it. Off if, turn off for five seconds. Um, so their very first dinner party where they brought them back together and the couples had got married, gone away on honeymoon, come back together and they have the first dinner party. This girl who wasn't getting on particularly well with her partner, like totally was not what she was expecting, uh, couldn't really see why they'd been matched and couldn't make the connection they arrived first and all the other couples came in and she asked every single one of them before she barely even said hello um so how's it going then are you getting on how's it going are you are you um are you loved up um and she she and she was literally there was that kind of like frenetic energy that was inside of her because she was desperate to know where she was in the kind of in the lane of, of couples between kind of success and unsuccessful because she oh. knew herself that the relationship wasn't going well. Oh. She wanted other people to be having a tough time too so she could validate her place. And she didn't trust herself to kind of just listen to herself. Yeah. And that oh. was part of the problem why they weren't getting on because she couldn't just let herself be in the relationship. Oh, wow. So there's something I think about this kind of, if we can release yeah. judgment it's about going back to kind of what is it that we want? How do I want to feel? Yeah. Does this relationship give me this? Do I often I think when we're in judgment mode, we're very much in head mode. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. So if we can kind of drop down to how do I feel about things? How does this person make me feel? So, right. you know, yes, it may be that I'm criticizing what they wear or mm. the job that they do or the friends that they have, what, you know, how they spend money, whatever it is. But it's about actually how does this person make me feel? Yeah. Well, I think that's important. But I think the other thing too, which we've never really explored until you come into like relationship coaching is 
um, what is it that I expect? Like what, what dreams do I have for myself? What dreams do I have for my relationship and really solidify them? And like, you know, what are my values? What are the things that are important, really important? Um, and then is this person the teammate that I want to climb this mountain? And, and what is it about them that makes them the teammate that I've chosen. Mm. And then if I look at all the things that I have judgment over, which might be significant, might be insignificant, like are those things that get in the way of this person being a good teammate? Yeah. And if it is, then, then maybe these are deal breaker issues, but judgment for the sake of judgment to sort of align your relationship along the path of like, quote unquote, right. knowing that there is no right it's you're right like what is the feeling that I have what what does this partner make me feel and are they the team like are we achieving our collective goals do we have goals most folks haven't even articulated that um and then am I achieving what I set out to achieve on on this planet yeah and is this person actively getting in my way I you know and then then that (laughs) might be sort of a, a a time of of uh recollection but yeah I think what you see in there is actually if we look at it and we look at um get real clarity on the life that we want and and what we want to create and how the beliefs and the values that we hold dear to ourselves then does this partner complement that does it does this partner help to move me towards where I want to be yeah and if their stuff is annoying, but it's not actually getting in the way, or it's something where I can, I've decided like, well, you know what, I can actually pick up the slack here. This is not something my partner mm-hmm. is going to be doing. So that's something that I can actually help out with. Cause, cause we're more or less moving in the track that I, mm-hmm. I, I'm happy with maybe specifically career. If you're, mm-hmm. if you have a lot of judgment about their career and, and maybe it's more that you're stuck on status because maybe that was like a message that you received yeah. from your childhood or whatever. But if you look at it and you're like, actually, we're quite comfortable. We're achieving goals to get us to the place, you know, financially that, that money is being an adequate tool to get to where we want. And maybe it's that I want, maybe I realize, okay, well, I'll, I'll always be the breadwinner. That's okay. You know, yeah. Rather than judging your partner, um, kind of revamping that expectation and saying, no, actually, it doesn't threaten our well-being. Yeah. And I think money, again, causes quite a few challenges, doesn't it, in relationship mm. to that whole money status thing. We get mm. caught up in what we should be earning, what we should be doing. And again, I think that comparison factor really plays into that. Mm-hmm. When you see other couples that are doing things that you want to be doing. You know, when we pair things back, I had this conversation when I was away actually with a, a dear friend of mine and and I think lockdown has allowed us to kind of just pair things back and really look at what's important. And sometimes it is important to be able to release some judgment is to just pair everything back and say what's truly important. Mm. You know, what's of kind of great, the greatest kind of value to me? What do I hold closest to me? If I had to pair everything back, where would I be? Mm. So release the judgment and just enjoy life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yes. That is food for thought. I have a lot of uh, work to do on my own. <laughs> As always, I've learned two things. Get a will and start to yes. look at your judgment areas. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, judgment is is a real tricky subject though, isn't it? Mm. It's a tricky one to understand where, sometimes to even understand where your judgments lie. Mm. We don't even know that we're being judgmental. Um mm. Until maybe somebody else points it out to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
No, it's not often that we're like, oh, I, I feel like I'm very judgmental. It's generally something, it's generally an observation that somebody else makes on our behalf. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so hopefully a few tools there to start to look at your own judgment, because there is some. <laughs> You're not immune. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah, I don't think there's, there's very few people that I've met in life that are um, completely judgment-free. Yeah. It is a natural thing to have judgment. Yeah. I think the... The difficulty is when it starts to cause challenges mm. and, uh, and get in the way of the things that you want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely well said. Mm. Yeah. So would you like a question? Yes, please. Let's go. Okay. Let's do Today's question is, I'm a 33-year-old and I don't want kids. I'm thinking about freezing my eggs because I'm scared that I'll change my mind. What should I do? Mm. <gasps> Very mm. topical. Yeah. So freezing your eggs. Yeah. So I run, a, you know, as I'm resuming clinical practice, I'm running into this a lot. Oh, and also with coaching, I have a, at least, um, you know, I run into folks who are kind of early thirties. Um, they're, mm. they're not yet situated in the, relationship or place in their life that they envisioned when they had these early assumptions that they would have kids. And so, you know, it's certainly, you know, there's a lot of companies that will certainly sell this to Mm. folks and, and capitalize on people's fears by kind of selling this in air quotes insurance plan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yet to know of anybody who's actually used their own like cryopreserved eggs. So I, I'm, I'm deeply divided when it comes to this. Um, I have many consternations. How about you? I think the thing that comes up for me is anybody that's asking this question clearly has some seeds of doubt as to whether they want to have children or not. Mm-hmm. Because I think that kind of, that bit at the end there, I'm scared I might change my mind, mm-hmm. would tell me that they're not crystal clear on, I definitely do not want to have children. Mm-hmm. So there's something in there. Now, whether that comes from an actual deep-rooted kind of desire that one day I might and I'm just not being honest with myself Mm. whether it comes from that societal pressure that says you know you're expected to have a child or maybe there's some family pressure there or you see kind of uh, relatives with with children and Mm. you kind of um you've got that kind of seed of doubt but it would tell me that there's something in here where there's a bit of seed of doubt I think 33 I would imagine it is generally where that kind of biological clock kind of starts to tick mm-hmm. and, I, and I do think that's a real thing for women like mm-hmm. I think it's normal to have those feelings where you kind of think oh because we, you know we are told and um and it is a medical fact that you know once you hit a certain age then mm-hmm. your, fil- your fertility starts to kind of drop and we don't have children as young as we used to and mm-hmm. we don't even form these like really strong relationships the same way that we used mm-hmm. to in at kind of like a young age I mean I was ridiculously young when I got married, but, you know, I then kind of went on and had two children. And But I think a lot of people aren't forming those relationships early on, so they're forming them a lot later, that you may be getting into your, somewhere between 30s and 40s before you even start to have a serious relationship. So in which case, I can kind of see why this would be coming up for somebody. Mm-hmm. It would be quite difficult, wouldn't it, to get to kind of be really, really adamant. No, I don't. I definitely don't want any kids. And then suddenly you meet somebody that just changes everything because mm. that can happen, right? So we go through periods. I mean, I remember when I met my partner that I've got now when I was kind of like, oh, I probably would have had a third child. Mm. 
Mm. And I mean, I look back now and I think, oh God, I think I'm actually pleased that we didn't because mm. you look at um, just things, we've got kind of teenage kids and mm. to think like if I had a baby now as well, <laughs> and just kind of like, I mean, it yeah. just comes with more challenges, right? So, and it's not to say that if we'd both agreed and would said, yeah, we're definitely um, on for it, I'm sure that that life would have worked for us too. But it's interesting how you can kind of change your mind. And once I then got to a certain age, I was like, no, nah, I definitely wouldn't now anyway, because I'd always, I kind of I had in my mind what my cutoff point was age wise. Mm. So I think things can change and do change. And and so I guess that's the thing for me is, well, if that's the case, then what's the harm? And I guess the harm would then be what there's a financial, well, there's a, there's a procedure to go through to remove the eggs. There's also then the, financial cost that goes with it to mm-hmm. store them and then insert them I'm guessing I'm clearly right. I'm going to revert to the doctor of the house soon <laughs> yeah that's pretty um, much as it, I yeah. just flounder away here yeah so yeah so there's kind of I, I guess the flip side is then that kind of you know that invasion the cost the time and and it might not work so mm-hmm. but if on the other side all of that kind of downside you can that's something that you can swallow when you're in a good position and that's okay with you then why would you not, I guess? Yeah, I th- I think, I think ultimately, like, and we are people who are always like, optimize your options, like get all our options on the table and actually freezing your eggs. If it's not an actual tangible option, it makes it feel, it feels like an option. And yeah. so we're all about get your options on the table. You're looking at tens of thousands of dollars, but like, you know, again, for, for a lot of folks, they may be saving it for a lot of things. And that might be something yeah. that's really important. I, I think the, um, so my very clear bias is I haven't had kids and I'm, I'm still at the age where it's like, you know, the, biologically it's, it, it would be quite silly, but, but where I just, there's so much, I can't hear my own voice amidst mm. all the societal, but I've had so many people tell me, you know, what are you going to do when you get old? Um, are you, you're going to regret it. And, and I guess for some, and I, I think that there's another, I think there's a few of us, there's a few of us who actually, for some reason, it's just like the, the real desire to have kids has not grown strong in us It, it yeah. for some reason. And, but the weird thing about this, this guilt of like, will I regret it is it's, mm. it's often other people's voices and we can't hear our own. And so yeah. we end up, a lot of us end up, might end up freezing our eggs because we're, we're playing into the fear that everybody's trying to tell us you're going to regret this. Like you're, you know, and so we might go through an invasive medical procedure to, to, yeah. to buy an insurance plan, um, so that we can kind of listen to ourselves, but more or less kind of appease the voice of society, which, mm. and, and, and honestly, you know, I don't think that anything in this conversation is going to change the fact that we still live by society's rules and a lot of us, you know, a lot of us will be doing things because we're kind of, you know, pushed into a fear state by society's messages. And that's almost unavoidable, actually. Yeah, and I, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of that um, pressure to have kids. I think that has eased off in, mm. you know, certainly in my lifetime, you know, and again, maybe this part of that kind of judgment thing kind of creeps in. So if I meet somebody and they say that they haven't got kids, have never wanted kids, like, I I can honestly say I'm judgment free about that mm. because it really is a personal choice. Mm. I think you should um you should live your life the way that you want to and not the way anybody else wants you to. Mm-hmm. And really looking at some of that judgment that might come in from other people, which I think is what you're saying here about the I'm scared and 
it's trying to find the courage. But I think sometimes, going back to what you said there about not knowing your own voice, sometimes that isn't always societal pressure that means that you don't know your own voice. It's just that you haven't got any clarity. Mm. You haven't got something that guides you um, to give you that clarity. And I, and I do get, and I'm not um, disagreeing with the societal pressure, mm-hmm. but sometimes just as people, we're really not sure of who we are because we don't actually spend a lot of time considering who we are. Yeah. We spend a long time considering other people yeah. and who they are and <laughs> yeah. what we need to do for them. And, you know, and again, maybe that plays into the societal pressure, but I think we don't spend a lot of time just really um, contemplating who we are um, thinking about what our, you know, who we are on the inside and um, and how we want to live our life. So, you know, maybe there's something in that around this person really just sitting with their thoughts for a bit and, you know, trying some meditation, different forms of meditation that we've talked about before, just to see if there can be some clear picture. Because mm-hmm. um, it's amazing when you've got clarity of mind, if you've ever had kind of some of those moments where, suddenly everything just becomes crystal clear Mm. and you're like oh my god I totally know what I need to do like Mm. it's just a phenomenal experience to be able to go through so if you can create some ways to get to just really kind of let everything sink and just be then there may be some stronger messages that actually come forward ah yes oh that's nice yes Well, and I think the other thing too, is that, you know, be kind to yourself because, you know, how you were as a teenager, I think we are fundamentally the same, like the essence of us remains the same, but Mm. I think we can look back and be like, you know, there's a lot of things that we said we would never do that we've ended up doing and enjoying it or, or vice versa. There's things that we were like, oh, I'm always going to do this. And we never ended up Mm. doing it and we're perfectly fine. So I think be kind to yourself and allow time to unfold we don't have, all, you know, there's a lack of clarity because we don't have a crystal ball. Like we, we yeah. do not know what's going to happen in our future, but like everything, you know, you've managed, you've, you've found a way you have, you know, done what it takes to be able to adapt to the time. And so trust in yourself that this is no different. You know, yeah. if for some reason at the age of 45, you come into this amazing relationship and you're like, wow, kids would really complete us. And, you know, well, then look at your options then. And and you can, you can find a way if that's adoption or whatnot, or, or perhaps you both realize actually we would really love to be more involved in our local cat rescue um, because we just like taking care of, you know, what is the thing that we want to take care of? It is a, is it a human child mm-hmm. that we want to raise together or is it that we want to give back and help others um, so yeah, trust that you've always, you've always managed to, to deal, you've always managed to handle what cards are dealt to you at the time that they're dealt to you. Yeah. I don't get the impression that this person really trusts in themselves though. Fair, because most of us don't trust in ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the other thing, just throwing kind of a little curveball in is, what if the reason that this person doesn't want to have kids is because they never believe that it's possible to meet somebody that's right for them? Uh, so they can't yeah. even see that vision yeah. because they think I'll never be that person. Therefore, if I tell myself I don't want kids, then that stops, that kind of cuts off that heartache, that longing. Right, right. So that could be another possibility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that my bias is actually speaking quite strongly here because, you know, I admit, as I look at this, that my personal life choices really factor in just as somebody who's had kids might, you know, it's, 
It's so weird because it's a, it's such a binary. It's either you have kids or you don't. So you either yeah. know that experience or you don't. And, yeah. you know, I know full well that if I had had kids, I would be sitting here being like, this is the best thing in the world. Everyone <laughs> should have kids yeah. because you, you've had a taste of something. And I, I, you know, life without kids is perfectly fine. Life with kids is perfectly fine. And I think the, certainly the people who are on the kids side would be like, there's nothing better than this. I am so glad that I did this for, yeah. for the most part. There are some folks who are, so it's, it's a weird situation to be a, a person, uh, w- with ovaries and a uterus who's sitting here being like, I know that if I went ahead and took the sleep, I know I would swear by it. It's, it's the mm. weirdest thing to be sitting in a place where, um, I don't, I don't swear by not having kids, but if I had kids, I'd probably swear by it. Yeah. I think having children definitely changes you. Yeah. Mostly for the good. Depends yeah. <laughs> on the day. <laughs> Sometimes less for the good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it does change. I think kids ground you in a slightly different way. But I think, you know, as I go back to what I was saying before, there's no, I'm completely judgment free about whether people choose to have them or not. And mm. I can really see benefits of not having children as well. Like, I mean, God, I'd have shitloads more money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it does come down to life choices. And right. Uh, and we can never dictate what happens in somebody else's life. That's just yeah. not right. Yeah. Um, and neither should we. We shouldn't be putting pressure on other people to do things that they don't want to do. Right. We should celebrate people's choices and support them in the way that they want to go. And and I think that is some of the challenges around um, children because we're actually all quite selfish in nature and um, mm. we want the things that we that we want. Um, mm. And and that's where the pressure comes in because parents want grandkids. Mm. because then they get all the joy of having little kids again without any of the hard work um, or associated expenses. Mm. Um, So I think that's where kind of some of that pressure comes in. And also kind of with friends, you know, it's kind of like friends want you to be just like them. Mm. So it's like, yeah, I want you to have kids so you can experience what I'm experiencing. Sometimes that'll be because I want you to experience this bad shit and know how terrible it is. Uh, And other times it'll be because I want you to experience how beautiful it is. Yeah. so there's that kind of side of it, but genuinely, genuinely, I think get real clarity on who you are mm. and what you want mm-hmm. and stick to your own path, right? Like, mm-hmm. just choose your path, it's yours. Yeah. You know, for some, and I am I think I've seen this before, is some who freeze their eggs it, it is actually, they make a commitment to themselves to start to look for the things that they realize they actually deserve. So weirdly, the act of freezing your eggs can be that kind of turning point where you start to lean into finding that relationship, like Mm -hmm. really like getting over any of these assumptions that you didn't deserve it and going for gold. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, the story for a lot of these folks is they freeze their eggs and then they and then they actually really lean into and they find a good partner who for the first time they're like, I really deserve this. Yeah. And they might not ever need to resort to their cryopreserved eggs. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, that act of commitment to anything, isn't it? We know yeah. that if we commit to something, yeah. we are much more likely to be successful in it. So yeah. that act of committing, whilst we're committing to it on a in a slightly different way, we're still committing to, to a relationship. We just haven't found the person yet. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So any final thoughts for the listener? I I think it's been a mic drop. I think the clarity <laughs> and sitting with yourself is the key. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way to find your own path. Yeah. That question of 
if I could have anything that I wanted, like anything that I wanted without restrictions, without like, well, that's not Mm. possible. Well, I've not had those experiences that tell me that that's possible. You know, what comes up for you when you, when you dream of that, you know, vision seven years in the future, like, where do you see yourself? Who's around you? And that question will often give you a sense of those hidden dreams, those, oh, I would love that, but I didn't think it was possible for me. Yeah. And we're very good at blocking our own creative views about what the future would look like. Yeah. Because we do it in the subconscious. Yes. Yeah, I think that's actually, I think a visioning exercise is quite powerful because you can either see yourself in a farmhouse with like one or two kids or three kids around you doing pancakes on a Sunday morning, or you could see yourself in France, you know, at an art exhibit, um, with you, yourself and you. And so that vision is going to sort of tell you where, what's coming up deep inside. Yeah. 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 Um, that's how we evoke sort of direction from our clients is, mm. is doing a visioning exercises. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything were possible without any limitations. But, and I think it's also bringing that feeling element into that. Mm. It's easy to kind of do things just in the head, but think about how do I feel when I'm in that situation? Yeah. How do I want yeah. to feel? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So thought provoking week. Yes, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> and, um, Lots of takeaways. Yeah, lots indeed. And uh, you have some homework to do. I know. Visioning, make a will. Oh, yes. And look at the judgment in my relationship. Whoa, that's pretty heavy. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, well, I'm on tap for calls. Yes, thank you. Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, I hope it's a good week and settling back into the the flow of work for you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, until next week. Until next week. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.